this morning. If you are a Gibeon, if you are a black vulture, if you are a French angelfish, if you're a wolf, if you're an albatross, if you're a king or queen termite, if you're a prairie vole, if you're a turtle dove, if you're a bald eagle, or if you're a human being, now some of you may be questioning, you know, which one am I this morning, or if you're a human being, there is something different that you have from the very rest of nature. And the difference is, if you are one of these categories this morning, and I hope we're all humans here this morning, but if you're one of these categories, then you have been designed to find one mate for life. That's the way you were designed, to find one mate for life. And all these creatures, all these animals that I've said to you, they all have something in common, is that they find one mate and stay with that mate for life. The rest of the animal kingdom... They kind of do as they please. But yet out of this group that I've just mentioned to you this morning, there is one section or one group and a section of the population of that group that don't want to be part of this elite group. In fact, they want the liberty to be able to pick up and drop mates just like the rest of the animal kingdom. And this group is the human group. I don't know about you, but I see uh, just TV and I see uh, just uh, people in society. And they think it is okay to pick up a mate and then drop a mate as they please. And throughout history, we've seen how men and women have struggled to keep hold of a lifelong bond together. And it goes from the 16-year-old kid who thinks he's just cool to lose his V-tags and tell all his friends about it to the 60-year-old man who 35 years after marriage decides that he wants to explore other options. You know, this, uh, uh, two weeks ago, I heard a, a story of a man who I admired greatly. And he was a pastor for many years. And I heard how one day... He'd been married, I don't know, 30, 35 years. He, one day he walked into Starbucks. He started this conversation with this woman. And months and months later, he is having an affair with this woman. And then he's using money from the organization that he's part of to uh, solicit this affair. And I'm like, where does someone go wrong? Where does someone get to that point in their life where they decide, I want to explore other options? However, it was never supposed to be like this. We're not animals. I mean, some of us, we may think we're animals. And some of you wives may turn over in the morning and look at the guy sleeping next to you and think, boy, he is an animal. I mean, you may think, you know, people say that we came from apes. I don't believe it, you know. Uh, I, I don't believe that we came from apes. But sometimes when I look at the hair on my body, I'm like... I am an ape, you know? I mean, sometimes we think that we are animals. And I know you ladies sometimes think that your guys are just like animals. But the fact is we're not animals. The fact is we are called higher than the animals. And I want to show you this this morning. And we went through some of these scriptures last week, and we're going to go through some of them again and because we're kind of on a progression and looking at how to deal in relationships. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you wanted to, to Genesis chapter 1, and verse 26. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So basically, this is the story of creation. God has created the universe. He's created the heavens. He's created the earth. He's created the sea. He's created the sky. He's created day. He's created night. He's created the animals. He's created the birds in the air. He's created plants and everything. Then he gets to this point in verse 26. And he said, then God said, let us... And what they mean by us is God the Father, God the Son, who's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. So let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So we see here that after God has created everything, the last thing that God creates on this earth is human beings. And the Bible says that these human beings have been created in the image of God. In the image of God. There is no other animal or no other species or nothing else that God creates that is in the image of God. But you, being a human being, not a black vulture or a bald eagle or a termite, you, being a human being, have been created in the image of God. And the great thing about this is that if we have been created in the image of God, then it's probably about time that we start acting a little like God. Now notice that we are not actually God. And we discussed this last week. We're in the image of God, but we're not actually God. We we, we don't take the place of God. We're not as high as God. We're lower than God, but we are created in the image of God. But it goes on to say, and we'll look at it in a minute, that these humans, they were created in the image of God, But then God gave them a plan and a purpose for their life. And I believe part of this plan and this purpose is what I call the marriage plan. I believe that God created human beings with a plan and a purpose. And part of that purpose is that man and woman would come together in holy matrimony. And we see this here in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 to 21. Now this is where the plan and the purpose comes in. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. Now let me just stop there for a moment. I think the reason God says this is because men get up to all types of trouble when they're alone. I mean, it could be good trouble, it could be bad trouble, it could be fun, it could be not fun, but guys get up to trouble when they are all alone. And then it says this, I will make a helper who is just right for him. So it's not good for man to be alone. So God says, I'm going to make this this man a helper who is just right for them. And we talked about last week. God, I believe God desires to bring people into your lives who are just right for you. God doesn't want to bring a, a, a square peg that you're trying to get through a round hole. God, I believe that, wants to bring people, and whether that's a mate, whether that's someone that you're going to marry, or a friend, or, or, or a co-worker, or something. I believe that God brings people into your lives that are just right for you. So it says, I will make him a helper that is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. 
And man chose a name for each one of them. He gave the names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But there was still no helper just right for him. So now we see that man has a job. He has a purpose and he has a plan. And God's job, or God's purpose for this man is that same man, you are going to name all the animals. That was firstly his first purpose on life. And that was to create and name all the animals. And so the guy who just wants to sit in, in his mom's basement all day playing on his Xbox and decides, I don't, want to get, uh, I, I don't want to get out of the house, I don't want to get a job because my mom cooks really nice for me and, uh, uh, and the Xbox is just too enticing and I just, you know, can't stop myself. That guy is not living out the purpose that God had for his life. Because when God has a purpose for your life, it, the part of that purpose is to work. Part of that purpose is to produce, is to create. It's not just to uh, sit back and have a nice time and watch everybody else uh, and watch the whole world go right. So then he goes on to say in verse 27, it says, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out the man's, right, man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord made woman from the rib. He brought her to Man. So now we see here, we've got a few things. We see that, firstly, it's not good for man to be alone. And the reason is, is because I don't believe anybody can live this life alone. I believe that we were created to be in community with each other. We were created to be in community with God. And then we were created to be in community with one another. Community is part of being a human being. And I remember... One time, my sister had gone off to college, and uh, uh, a lot of college students, all they can think about is college, 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 college. And uh, she was, uh, when she left college, she was a good Christian. When she graduated from college, uh, she had to become a good Christian again. I'll put it like that. And, but she still went to church every Sunday. And I remember one day she said to me, she, uh, I went to visit her, and she went to this church, and it was this happening church, and there was like nobody over the age of like 25 at this church, but it was packed. And everybody enjoyed it. And she says, oh, I love coming to this church. It's great. She says, but they're always trying to get me involved in like small groups or try to get me involved in this outreach or that. She goes, I don't come to church to get involved with other people. I just come to church to worship God. And I remember hearing that and I was like, ah, you missed it. You missed it because part of being a Christian is not just about worshipping God. It's also about being in community with other people as well. And that's the way God created us. So God said it's not good for man to be alone. So God in that moment creates something we call woman to cause this community. And they created this community. And so then we carry on. And then it says in, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, it says, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into what? You know, when I was reading this, I must admit, this thought came over me and I started getting this song stuck in my head. And I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning and I hope I don't lose my man card. But the song was the second single that the Spice Girls ever released. And it went to like number one in the UK and stuff. And I did have the Spice Girls CD, I must admit. 
And I was in love with Ginger Spice, and so I, I bought it. I don't know why. But the song basically goes tonight like this. And uh, it goes basically like, I won't sing it for you, but it goes, like, tonight the night is when two become one. And, I mean, it's not really great for kids, the song, or anything like that. But it kind of made me realize, and I started thinking about that, marriage is all about two people becoming one. Two people becoming one. And this is huge because in today's society, I look out and I see people who are married and they've never become one with their spouse. I see people and they have different dreams for their lives. I see people and they have different values from their spouse. They have different friends. They have different lives. They basically live separate lives and then come together at night and maybe sleep in the same bed. But that is not the idea of a healthy marriage. And two must become one. And so what you've got, the problem with marriage, is you've got a man who is one way and a woman who is another way, and they are, you are trying to bring them together to become this one thing, but yet man is very different from woman. And so that's why you often get problems in marriage, because you are trying to trying to mold each other so that you become one. And the problem is, is we think that two people becoming one is just about consummating a marriage. Well, that isn't the case. Because if you are married, then you need to have the same dreams and the same passions. And you need to have the same values for your life. You need to, you need to come together in agreement. So it's not just two people living different lives. It's two people living one life. But you know what? This isn't necessarily our fault. You know, I'm not going to sit here today and blame, you know, ourselves. I'll be honest, I'm going to put the blame on Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Eve's fault. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve fell into sin. They ate of an apple from, or a fruit from a tree, disobeyed God. And then, as a, as a, um, as a result, as a consequence of their action, God cursed Adam and Eve. And this is what God said. He said to Eve, he says, because you ate of that fruit of the tree and you didn't obey me, I'm going to cause you to have pain in childbirth. So ladies, you know, when you're having a baby and it's painful and you're screaming and you're yelling at your husband, I hate you, I hate you, why do you do this to me? It's all because of Eve. But yet, there's something a little bit more serious. The Bible also says that that God cursed the woman. And the curse was this. That the woman would try to control the man. But the man will control the woman. And now, i got a wife who's strong. I mean, she may be like four foot one or whatever. But she is strong. And she is strong world. And I love that about her. But one thing I know about my wife, she's strong-willed, and at times I have to like pull in the reins a little bit. But one thing I know is that she's not a controlling wife. And she's only five foot one. I can take her out, you know? I mean, like, come on. And, uh, but she's not a controlling wife, but she is strong. But I know a lot of ladies who, they may not be as strong, but they could try to control. And that's the curse. That's the curse that God placed on women. That woman would try to control the man. Now, before we get any further, it's not man's place to control the woman either. 
Because that's part of the curse, that the man will control the woman. So all these macho men who are like, woman, listen to me, woman, cook for me, woman, clean for me. And it may sound wonderful and macho, but that's the curse. That's what God cursed man as, that he would control woman. Now, remember, when God created Adam and Eve, or God created man and woman, it said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will create man a helper. I'm going to translate this a little further. Because we think helper, we think, you know, a nice little elf or something, you know, who's going to make some nice toys for us. That isn't what God meant. God said, I'm going to create a partner. A partner for man. So that man cannot be alone. And that means that men and women are equal. Partnership means that you are equal together. And so when a man tries to control a woman, he is not living the biblical example of a marriage. When a woman tries to control a man, he's not living a biblical example of a marriage. She's not living a biblical example of a marriage. Because it's two people come together in one equal partnership. And I probably would have got like shot 200 years ago for saying that. But I thank the Lord that women have equal rights. And uh, that's great. Good for you, ladies. <laughs> but then the, the curse continues. And God says, because Adam, because you disobeyed me, this is what I'm going to do for you. That work that you love to do, those naming the animals, those keeping the garden, and you enjoyed it, and you skipped along in the sun in the day and enjoyed it, you are going to start to hate your work. You are going to toil, and you are going to sweat, and you are going to try to plant seed in the ground, and it's not going to grow, and you are going to start to hate your work. This was the curse for the man. And you know what the result was? That there was a rift between man and woman. Because when everything is great and everything is hunky-dory and life is just wonderful and, and we're all equal partners and we love our work and we love our jobs and we love our kids and we love our house, everything is great. But as soon as we start getting a few issues and problems here and there, then that's when marriage starts getting into situations and there's a rift between man and woman. And it's the same with friendships as well. You know, when, when we start trying to control our friends and control our family, then that's when the problems start happening. And so with this in mind, it's so easy to see why so many marriages fail. It's so easy why so many relationships break down. It's so easy why so many families split apart. However, just because this is how life is after Eden, it doesn't mean that you can't form a marriage or you can't form a relationship that is just as healthy as the one before this situation in the Garden of Eden. And the lessons that we're going to learn, and basically what we're going to talk about today, we're going to split it up into two weeks and because we haven't got time to finish it today. But we're going to give some lessons on marriage, and they're going to be real basic lessons, and you're probably going to go out of this, this today and next week and think, Duh, Alex, that was obvious. Well, that's because marriage is obvious. That's because relationships are obvious. There's no secret principle to having a good marriage or having a good relationship or having a good friendship. It's pretty easy. But the problem is, is executing the rules of marriage. And so these principles will run through all relationships. Now, before we get into these principles, I want to share with you a scripture. It's found in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 22. And it says there, it says, 
The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. And he receives favor from the Lord. A man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Now let me just speak to you guys a sec. Women are a treasure. Now, I can see this now after, I've been married seven years, and I can see this now after seven years of marriage. But I remember as a 21-year-old guy, I'll be honest with you, I thought women were just a commodity. Women were just something that just, you know, would you be enjoyed for while everything was great? And when everything turned sour, okay, move her along on to the next one. But women are a treasure. And when you find a treasure, you need to keep that treasure. It's not just something that you can go buy at Walmart and maybe they're out of stock and next today, tomorrow you can go back and you can find another one. Women are a treasure. You know, we're growing up, we uh, had a, a public transport everywhere. In the UK, it's like buses are everywhere. And outside my, my parents' home, there is uh, a bus stop. And so it would take us right into downtown Wolverhampton, the place that we lived. And the buses were supposed to come every 10 minutes. And you would stand outside the bus stop, and no joke, almost every time you'd be there for 20 minutes. You're like, I thought it was supposed to be every 10 minutes. And so you're there, and you're running late. And then suddenly, this big double-decker bus would come, and right behind it, another bus would come. And we used to joke, we, were, we used to joke, well, women are just like, just like buses, you know. It's like you wait forever for one, and two come along at once, and things like that. And that's what we used to say. But I've kind of learned that women are like that. Women are a treasure. And ladies, I'm going to rephrase this proverb. Because a lot of the proverbs were written to, to, to men. When you find a man, you find a treasure as well. It's not somebody who can just pick up and put down. He's not someone you can control. He is a treasure. So marriage is a good thing. Because if you find a man or a woman, or you find a husband or a wife, it's a treasure. So it is a good thing. But yet, every good thing has rules. And if you follow the rules, everyone will be happy. But if you break the rules, then there are consequences. You know, I have about 60 million nieces and nephews. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, they're everywhere. And like, on my side, I got one nephew. On Raquel's side, we got the tribe of Israel. It's just ridiculous. And... Whenever we go down to my, my in-laws, they live in Florida, and whenever we go down there, it, it's just like, I need earplugs. My father-in-law just always just slowly slips away into his room and just like, lies on the bed, puts some nice music on and things. Because there are kids everywhere, they're running everywhere. But they love it when Raquel comes down, because Raquel is the child whisperer. I mean, like, she just has this, I don't know what it is. So... They come down, and I hear her. She takes them all out into, into, the, uh, uh, into the garage or take them outside. And this is what she'll say. She'll say, okay, kids, before we start today. It's like she's teaching some Sunday school lesson. Before we start today, this is what we're going to do. These are the rules. You can either play by the rules or not play by the rules. If you play by the rules, we're going to have a great time. If you disobey the rules, then you're not going to have a very nice time at all. And I hear her say this, and I'm like, oh, come on, these kids aren't going to get it. And they do, most of the time. And then one will disobey the rules, and, you know, he'll go off to his mom, his mom will give him a spanking, and then that's it for the night. But they have a good time. It's the same with marriage. If you play by the rules, you have a great marriage. In relationships, if you play by the rules, you have great relationships. If you break the rules, then you're going to have a bad relationship 
And I remember my dad, before I got married, he said, now, are you sure you're marrying the right woman? I said, yes, dad, I am. He says, this is why I say this. If you marry the right woman, it will be heaven on earth. He said, if you marry the wrong woman, it will be like being in a prison for the rest of your life. And when you find the right man and right woman, it is heaven on earth. But if you start breaking the rules, you'll find yourself in like a prison for the rest of your life. So there's three principles, and we'll probably get one done today, and then we'll finish the other two next week. And these are the principles. The very first one is what I call the principle of belief. The principle of belief. Believe. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 22. It said, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I'm actually going to continue to verse 23. It says, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of, the, of his body, the church. As the body submits to Christ, so you wives submit to your husbands in everything. And I'll be honest, when I read that, I can just feel like the tension with the ladies. Because they're like, what are you telling me to do? Submit to this guy. He's an animal. You know, don't you realize? And I remember I I spoke to this this one girl. She was uh, part of our youth group growing up. And she'd got, uh, then she met this guy. She got married. And she goes, the apostle Paul, he was a sexist. I mean, what's he talking about? Why submit to their husbands? Well, I think when we translate it, we translate it a little differently to what it should be. You know, the greatest power on this earth, I believe, is the power of belief. The power of belief. I read an article the other day, and Usain Bolt, who is like the world record holder for the 100 meters, he said that this year, the Summer Olympics in London, he said, I am going to run 100 meters in 9.4 seconds. No one has ever done that or even got close to that in their lives. But this guy believes it. And I tell you, every time this guy has come out with a statement like that, I'm going to run the 100 meters in this, he's done it. Why? Because he believes that he can do it. You know, many, many, many years ago, there was a guy called Roger Bannister. And he was the first man to break the four-minute mile. Before Roger Brown broke the four-minute mile, there were, th- there were hundreds of people who had tried to break the four-minute mile, but nobody had ever done it. And then one day, in one race, Roger Bannister was running, and Roger, Roger Bannister was able to break the four-minute mile. But the incredible thing was, was that year, several people broke it again and again and again. People started breaking the four-minute mile. Why? Because they started to believe that it could be done. They saw somebody else who could do it, and they started to believe. Why? Because there is so much power in belief. And if you believe you can do something, the chances are you probably will be able to do it. And the same goes for marriage. If there isn't belief in your marriage, your marriage will fail. If there's not belief in your relationships, your relationships will fail fail. They may not break up, they may not end in divorce, but they will fail. Because belief is an essential part of any relationship. 
So Paul writes to these Ephesians and he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And sometimes that's all we see. All we see is the word submit. And we think, guys, you've got to control your wives. And wives, you've got to be nice, little housewives, and submit to your husbands. But yet all we see is control. And remember, the curse was that Eve would try to control Adam, but Adam would control Eve. That was the curse. And that's all we see at times is control. However, Paul doesn't start this with saying women to submit to men. This is how Paul starts this this, uh, passage of Scripture. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. So before he talks about the women, he talks about everybody. Everybody should be submitting to everybody else. So guys, that means you should be submitting to your wives. And wives, you should be submitting to your husbands. Everybody submits to everybody else. And the word here for submit, it really doesn't mean just being a nice little housewife and being submissive to your strong, dominant husband. It actually means more than that. And as we read this scripture, we see here it says, it says, wives submit to your husbands as you submit to Christ. Because your husband is the head of the household like Christ is the head of the church. And what this means, what does Christ ask you to do? Christ asks you to believe. Yes, come under his authority, but believe. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if we are to liken our husbands to Christ, then we are to believe in our husbands. Believe in our husbands. And the secret to marriage, the very first secret is this. You need to believe in one another. This isn't just for the wife, this is for the man as well. But you know what? I honestly believe that Paul focused on the wife. And I could be wrong, but I believe that Paul focused on the wife and told the wife, okay, submit to your husband, believe in your husband, because there is no bigger destruction for a man than someone not believing in him. No bigger destruction for a man than someone not believing in him. There's a guy called Johann Wolfgang van Gogh. I mean, imagine having that name. Whew. He wrote this. He said, if you treat a man as he is, he will stay as he is. But if you treat him as if he were what he thought he could be, he will become that. If you treat him that he will be, if you treat him better than what he thinks he is, he will become bigger and better. And you know, if you treat people like you believe in them, then those people will become better people. If you treat them like you don't believe in them, then those people are going to find destruction. This is what Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And so when you're thinking about your relationships, are you motivating those people in those relationships? Are you motivating that that husband or are you motivating that wife 
to become bigger and better than what they already are. Those friendships or those family relationships, are you motivating those people to become better than what they already are? And you know, I've often said to Raquel, I said, as long as I know that you believe in me, I know I can continue. As long as you believe, I know I can continue. And as the church believes in Christ, so wives believe in your husbands. Husbands believe in your wives. You know, guys are creative human beings. We may not always seem it, especially when we're in front of the couch and we're just flicking channels. There's no creativity going on. But really, guys are creative human beings. The first job that God ever gave to a man was a creative job. It was to name all the animals. And because guys are creative, guys come up with the craziest ideas. I mean, let's be honest. Some of our ideas are just like whack, you know. But we come up with these ideas. But there's nothing worse than a woman can do for a man is to say, oh, that's a stupid idea. That's a crazy idea. You need to believe in your husband. Same for guys. Guys, there's nothing worse than saying to your wife, oh, that will never work. That's a silly idea. You must believe in one another. Don't shoot people down because that's how they're wired. Don't seek to control them according to the curse. But believe in them. Encourage one another. Stand by them. And let's do do it the same for each other. And support each other. Well, my time's gone this morning. And there's so much more that we're going to discuss next week. We've got two more principles that we're going to go through. And we'll... We'll whiz right through them. But today, as we leave this place today, ask yourself this one question. What am I doing to motivate those other people in my life? What am I doing to show those people that I believe in them so that they can become bigger and better than what they already are? You know, everybody has dreams. Everybody has passions. And when we believe in those dreams and passions, the sky's the limit. God can do incredible, wonderful things. Think about yourself today. Am I treating those other people in my life as I would treat Christ? If you are, then you're going to be on the road to a happy, healthy relationship, happy, healthy marriage. Let's pray.